Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Todd Garland with me. Todd is the founder and CEO of Buy Sell Ads. Buy Sell Ads is a marketplace for buying and selling ads. Todd also writes at his blog at toddgarland.com. Welcome. Thank you, George. Thank you, and uh, hello to everybody at Success Harbor. Thank you very much for being here, Todd. Would you please give our audience an example of how a company would use buy-sell ads and maybe how it's different from, you know, like an AdSense or something like that? Um, because, you know, it, 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 the name kind of gives it away, but still a lot of people, most people haven't used it. So uh, if you could give an example, that would be great. Yeah, sure thing. So um, we serve two different types of customers. Uh, one would be uh, what we call a publisher, and a publisher is somebody who owns a website or who is selling advertising on their their blog or their website. And um, basically what we help them do is sell ads directly to advertisers. Um, so uh, it's much different than Google AdSense in that with Google AdSense, you install a code and you're magically making money as soon as uh, it's on your site. However, you tend to not make the kind of money that you could make if you were selling directly to the right kinds of advertisers. Um, and so what we do is we help those publishers automate that process of selling directly to um, higher-end advertisers, essentially. Um, and, then you, and then you have more control than with AdSense as well, right, in terms of what's showing? You do. So you get to approve every ad before it ever shows on your site. Um, so there's a great deal of control. So... Uh, you've started uh, buy sell ads in 2008. Uh, what were you doing prior to starting it? Sure thing. So um, rewinding the tape a bit, I was uh, working at uh, an interactive agency. So I was building uh, websites for other people, executing marketing plans for other people, for other businesses. Um, and then uh, after that, I joined a, a local company here in Boston called HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot has kind of pioneered the, the inbound marketing movement, per se. Um, and uh, I actually launched Buy Sell Ads um, a little bit before and a little bit during uh, my time at HubSpot. So how did you get that idea? What, what clicked that, that told you, yeah, yeah, this, is, this, this makes sense? Sure thing. Um, I was, um, so I'm a web developer, web designer, um, you know, uh, a, a web worker by trade, and uh, I had a couple of blogs that I was running that was that were both geared toward um, programming, um, so uh, but front end programming uh, stuff like CSS and, and, and similar. And um, advertisers would reach out to me and ask me if they could purchase ads in the sidebar of my site, and um, I thought that was great because it was nice to make you know um, some extra money on the side in addition to my full time job. And, um, but eventually the, the issue is that, um, every advertiser wanted to work with me a little bit differently. Um, they wanted to pay differently. They, some wanted to negotiate, some would just pay whatever rate I told them. Um, and then I have to go through this process with them of, um, you know, they'd traffic the ads to me and I have to put those live. And then, uh, every month I'd have to remember to, to build them again and, and all these things. And so there's, there's a lot of, um, like maintenance to, to maintain these relationships and, and continue to make money. But it seemed kind of silly to be doing all that work for only, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars extra per month. It felt like the, the amount of work that was going into it um, made it not very desirable to do. 
um, because the the money they were paying should have just been for getting the ad on the site. Like I wasn't getting you know compensated for the extra time involved. Um, as as bad as that may sound, right? Um, mm-hmm. so, so I just wanted to, to automate that, right? I wanted to be able to uh, reply to an email that an advertiser had for me and say, here's a link where you can go buy it, right? Um, and let them buy it or not buy it. Um, or just link to it directly from my site and say, if you want to buy advertising on the site, go here. You can see all the, the, the ad sizes available. You can see their pricing and if you really want it, you click buy now, you upload your creative, and you're off. And um, I wanted something that simple, basically. So it was kind of a scratch your own itch, uh, if evolution, so to speak. Yeah, so, that, and, and you know, I've always been a fan of, um, you know, uh, I, I consume a lot of content online, and um, you know, I think it's and anything that can help uh, content creators, um, you know, continue to make money to do what they love to do is a great thing for the web. Um, because that's what the web is really all about. It's about people sharing, um, sharing things and um, helping these publishers make money um, by, you know, that allows them to continue sharing things and producing great work that people consume uh, is very fulfilling. So when you when you built or when you know when you put buy sell ads online, was it automatic? Or software driven on the back end, or it was more like manual on the back end and kind of a, an automatic uh, kind of hands off approach on the front end. How how did it work when you started it? Sure. So um, the the core problem that we were solving, which was uh, basically facilitating the transaction to happen as uh, seamlessly and frictionless as possible, that was completely automated. Um, but then all the other things that go into operating a service like buy sell ads um, that aren't critical to making that transaction happen weren't automated at first. Uh, so a good example would be, um, let's say somebody wanted to cancel their ad, um, they'd have to email me. It's crazy, right? And thinking in 2014, <laughs> 2008, somebody had to email me to cancel an ad and consider they might have I don't know 20, 30, 40 ads in their account. It was crazy. Um, the other thing people had to email me to do. Uh, was to uh, withdraw money. So let's say you're a publisher and you made five or ten thousand dollars in a month. You'd have to send me an email and say, "Hey Todd, I want my money." Uh, and I would reply and I say, "Sure thing. Here it is." Um, so there was a lot of things that you know over the years since the initial launch, we built up around the service to make it what it's turned into today. So how soon uh, into starting uh, buy sell ads did you feel that you know there is traction that you know, people are, are using it and, and, you know, that, that you, you felt that it's taking off. How long into that whole process from 2008 did it take? So I'd say I've definitely gone through different phases of um, having the, the, the notion that it's taking off. Um, the initial phase where I felt like it was taking off, I'd say, happened within the first three months. Um, it was like as soon as I started emailing people and telling them about it and trying to, you know, uh, I had, you know, I was knocking on doors and my boots on the ground and trying to get people to use the thing, people were responding immediately. And so I think that was the first um, big sign from publishers specifically um, that there was really a need there. Um, that was then followed by uh, the other side of the equation, which is advertisers purchasing that those uh, ad spaces from those publishers. And so um, those two kind of sides of validation really happened immediately within the first three months. Um, but I mean, you know, like, like any business, there, there are ups and downs. And um, over the years, I've felt different surges and 
you know, different ebbs and flows of, of having momentum and it really working, um, which is natural, I think. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the early challenges of, of buy-sell ads? Sure. So, I mean, the, the, the first big challenge was ultimately the fact that I was still working a full-time job. And so um, I, had also, I was also in the middle of uh, buying a, a condo and getting married. And so it was a really busy time personally in my life. Um, and I mean, just the limitation of not being able to work between, you know, let's say eight and 6 PM, 8 AM and 6 PM, because I was working at a, another fairly serious company. Um, and I took my work there very seriously because I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, so, you know, um, I don't want to sit here and pretend like, uh, you know, it was heroic waking up early to work or going to bed late at night to work some more. I mean, that wasn't really the kind of the, the vibe, I guess it was more like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe these people, you know, actually like what I'm building. I need to spend as much time as I possibly can continuing to build this because people are people are really loving it. So, um, yeah, I mean that was really a challenge, the time constraint. I think ultimately totally. So, interestingly enough, um initially uh the more difficult part was the publishers. Um just because I mean, if you I mean consider yourself you know, you're, I don't know, making a few thousand dollars a month selling advertising on your site. Um, a, do you want to turn this over to somebody who you don't really know? Uh, B, do you want to give them a 25% cut on the that money? Um, and, you know, it's for them, it was just, it, it was somewhat of a, a leap of faith in me that I was going to um, do what I said I was going to do, that our software was going to do what it said it was going to do. Um, yeah, so um, it's definitely very, um, you know, uh, publishers look around them to see what other folks are doing. So it seemed like every large, every larger publisher that I would uh, be able to successfully, successfully recruit for uh, the platform would therefore make it easier to get other large publishers. Um, so it's definitely, uh, you know, word of mouth, um, seeing that uh, social proof that is actually out there and working for a lot of people. Um, and then the other thing was really me. Um, working really hard for these people, you know, because um, that first, those first 12 months, I was essentially alone building this out. Um, and I, you know, to this day, I still have really great relationships with all of those publishers that uh, were initially on the system. Um, so it was really just, you know, building relationships um, and coming through for them, right? Um, and I think yeah. what, what further convinced them that uh, we were a good solution was that uh, ultimately we'd help bring them more money. Um, and so people really started to see the, the power and the momentum of a, a functioning marketplace that has liquidity and, and that there's real value there. So you actually prove to them that they can actually make more money uh, use your platform? Yes, totally. So a publisher would come in, sign up. They'd have, let's say, three or four advertisers. And within the first few weeks, we'd uh, bring them other new advertisers. So they'd, they'd see that proof firsthand right away, basically. And the show to when you would try to sell another publisher, you would just show the numbers to you know some of these other publishers that are already using your service. Yeah, you know what? Uh, in many cases, um, we there wasn't even um, we never really had to show people numbers per se. It was more they could see their competitors with more ads and with advertisers they didn't have currently, and that's what would help what would help convince them to sign up. Okay. What about uh, technology around uh, uh, challenges around technology? Did you have, uh, encounter any of that? Yes. So uh, I'm uh, more so a front end developer than a back end developer. Um, and the first version of Bicel Ads that I wrote uh, completely on my own was uh, absolute 
trash, right? Um, <laughs> so about a year after um, after I launched, um, around the time when I uh, made uh, the first hire, uh, we actually rewrote the entire uh, Bicelots platform within a span of a few months. Um, and so we kind of set a better foundation upon which we've built, um, you know, uh, the rest of the business since. So what were some of the most important things uh, or maybe eye-openers that you learned from some of your first uh, customers, let's say on the publisher side? Yeah, um, these guys are serious, right? Um, for a lot of these people, this is their livelihood. This is literally how they put food on their table week to week, month to month. And, um, you know, I think it was really important for me to be so connected to them initially um, and to, you know, I was the support person, right, as well. So um, I literally got to deal with every single support request and um, just seeing how serious these people are and how passionate they are about creating content that they can freely share on the web because they're making money through advertising. Um, it was, it's a cool thing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of people out there that are doing really neat work, so um, it's fun to be part. Of. And and did they? How did they shape uh, what buy sell ads is in terms of maybe some of the features on the site or functionalities? Um, did you learn a lot from from the customers, uh, especially the first one year, two years? Yes, definitely. So I mean, our our products. Uh, I mean, even six and a half years later, now it's still seeing um, you know a ton of ton of iteration, right? Um, so, I mean, yes, I, I definitely those uh, initial folks helped shape the product going forward. And then, so when when you when you hear things from customers, how do you know it's something that that's noise or it's something you need to, you know, react to in in a way, make some kind of an adjustment? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, over the years, uh, we've used uh, I guess a combination of uh, intuition, which is typically never the, the best way to decisions <laughs> that affect thousands of people, right? Um, yeah. But more so, um, you know, we'll hear things from multiple people time and time again, and so we'll start to see these themes evolve um, through support. Um, so it, it's, it's become evident. We have a, a system that we use to track these things, and so we can literally keep track of how many customers have talked about something, and then once it reaches a certain point, we know that it's uh, time to, to get something done. Um, is there anything that was maybe surprising that you learned from your advertisers on the other side of the of the marketplace? We talked about the publishers already, but anything that was kind of an eye opener for you? Yes, uh, the craziest thing is that for the first I think year and a half, um, as an advertiser, we didn't actually provide you with any statistics for your ads. <laughs> right. So, like, picture you know spending five ten thousand dollars a month as an advertiser. And all you get is a receipt that says, thank you. Wow. So, uh, I mean, that was absolutely eye-opening. And, and, you know, truthfully, it, them not requiring stats for so long uh, was very helpful for us because that, that's like a really big technical challenge. Um, so it was, it was very surprising. Um, of course, you know, even since 2008 now, um, things have really changed. So um, whereas we saw uh, many more folks in 2008 who were just focused on brand and who, um, you know, maybe didn't do any tracking at all. That's completely changed now and everything's about ROI and performance. Okay. Um, building a market 
marketplace type of business is difficult because you're dealing with kind of a balance of supply and demand, right? So what were some of the challenges to bring those buyers and sellers together? And obviously, we, we, we need some kind of a balance, right? Because uh, have, you, have you struggled with that to, to, to maintain that balance uh, from the beginning or was it pretty natural? Yeah, you, you know, um, it, it, we've always struggled with it. We still struggle with it today. It's a really tricky thing, especially um, in an industry like uh, online advertising that's continuing to evolve uh, so quickly um, or so slowly, I guess, depending who you talk to. But um, the, the tricky thing is that, um, you know, like for a publisher, they can seemingly create endless inventory. And the, the temptation for publishers to do so is really, really high because of products like Google AdSense where you literally put it on your site and you start making money. Um, so I think, um, you know, there's, there's a few challenges involved with, with keeping that balance. One is, um, and, and this has been true all along, as long as we are good at choosing the publishers who we work with, um, which is something very important to us, we only accept, I'd say it's like between 3 and 5% of all publishers who apply to work with us. Um, as long as we are good at making those decisions, um, we tend to be able to find advertisers or enough advertisers to make them happy. Now, keep in mind, that doesn't mean that every single publisher we, we accept into the, into the network uh, immediately starts doing well or is magically making all this money, right? Um, but it means that um, for publishers who are creating good content, there's advertisers who want to be associated with that content. And um, that's what we're really good at matching. Uh, quality content creators, and quality advertisers. So can you share some of your processes of selecting the right publishers for your, for your, for biz, for buy, sell ads? Because uh, you mentioned it's a very crucial part of your business. Do you have kind of some kind of a system, some of the things that maybe you could mention to us that, that count matters to you? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing that matters is, uh, is ultimately quality content. Now, um, the other thing that's important is that, or, you know, important for me to mention is that we understand that uh, quality content is largely a, a subjective thing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But what we've found that works really well is not necessarily how much traffic somebody has, um, but more so the, like, the quality of their content. So let's say, for example, there's a blog about uh, VMware, and then there's a blog about, um, I don't know, Android phones, right? Um, okay. You could have a blog about VMware with only 20,000 visitors, and we might be able to make you a few thousand dollars a month because that demographic and the focus of that site is so so targeted. Um, whereas you might have, let's say, a blog about Android phones that has, I don't know, 500,000 visitors a month, but we might not be able to make you basically any money because the the number of people talking about those different things and the, the focus of the audiences who are consuming that content can be completely different and have completely different value to an advertiser. So um, when we look at a site, we try to find sites that we believe will deliver good value to the advertisers because they have good content and because they have a focus that uh, advertisers are willing to attribute money towards. Um, again, um, you know, Traffic isn't the main thing, but that would be the second thing, right? So we look at sites that have, um, you know, a decent amount of traffic. The more traffic you have, the um, the more traffic and the, the, the higher the quality of your content and the more focused your content is at a specific uh, vertical, uh, the better our chances will be of selling advertising for you. So is there 
you know, it's it's probably not an easy question to answer, but if you are a publisher, if you're thinking about be, being a publisher, what's an easier path, a B2C or B2B? Um, that's a pretty good question. Um, you know, um, largely I feel as though the, the, the vast majority of uh, people online are uh, consumers, um, and whether they're consuming that from a business perspective or a consumer perspective, um, I, I just can't I, I can't say any one wins out over the other. Um, mm -hmm. But let's look at some real examples, right? So let's um, let's look at a different example from VMware and Android phones. Let's say, for example, um, a site about uh, horoscopes versus a site that is uh, about freelancing, right? So mm -hmm. when you're talking to freelancers, you're talking to like a very specific group in the sense that they're typically work from home professionals or they have a small office. Um, and there's a, a very specific tool set that they need to run their business, right? They need something that's accounting focused. Um, maybe they need some sort of CRM. Like they have, you know, small business tools that they need to, to operate. Whereas you look at a person who's going to a site that's about horoscopes, um, that could be my grandmother, that could be you know a 12-year-old kid, it could be uh, me going there just around my birthday or something like that. You know, it's it's such a, a more it's a broader, less defined, less passionate demographic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that's really, I think the the best way to look at things as a publisher, if you're looking to start something, is um, all right, let's already assume that you're passionate about something and that you can write great content about it. Um, but then going further and, and thinking to yourself, okay, who would perfect advertisers be for me, right? And if you're writing a, a, a site about horoscopes and you're thinking, well, you know, uh, a car insurance provider is perfect for me because I really brought it, you know, back up, right? Because for, first of all, anybody who's selling car insurance is probably buying those ads through an agency, Um that agency is not going to place much importance on your horoscope site that's getting 500,000 impressions a month because they can buy those same visitors from 18 million other places. Mm -hmm. Whereas let's say you're writing a site about freelancing and so you start thinking, okay, so accounting software, right? There's, there's Intuit. Maybe they're a little too big. They're not going to care about my, my site with 100,000 visitors uh, focused on freelancing. Oh, but then there's, there's FreshBooks, right? FreshBooks, that's like, you know, online invoicing for freelancers. Perfect. Um, I can see them advertising on some other sites that are my size. And so you can start to kind of think through this ahead of time before you get into building uh, your audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, makes, uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, what are some of the best marketing channels for buy-sell ads? You know, it's really, um, and ironic enough, um, it's not buying ads. Um, it's, uh, it's word of mouth, ultimately. Um, our buyers and sellers are uh, so incredibly specific. Um, you know, like our, our sweet spot for a buyer is somebody spending between 5000 and 50000 a month. Our sweet spot for a publisher is someone making between 1500 and, um, you know, 50000 a month. So, like, they're, uh, those ranges might seem large, but they all kind of fit within a, uh, a, a nice use case for us, um, and it's really just word of mouth, ultimately. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you can't beat word of mouth. 
You know, it's it's incredible the power of word of mouth uh, marketing. How many publishers and advertisers are using buy sell ads? So the uh, truthfully the the numbers I, I I can give you a ballpark, but it's not something we necessarily keep track of um, because okay. it's uh, it's it's uh, ultimately it's a vanity metric, right? I mean, like if you look at um, other ad networks or ad companies, um, I don't want to bucket myself in as an ad network per se. We're more so in um, marketplace and an ad network, but, um, you know, they'll say, oh, we have 30,000 publishers and crazy stats like that. And it's like, okay, well, how many of those 30,000 publishers are making more than a hundred dollars a month? Right. And that's when the numbers start to get real. Um, so on the publisher side, um, we have, uh, around, I believe something like, uh, 1800 publishers. Um, keep in mind the lower the number, the better for us, right? Cause that mm-hmm. signals that we're working with higher quality folks. Um, and then on the advertiser side, um, I believe we have around 3,000 active uh, advertisers. Um, but again, those folks run the gamut from you know five dollars a month to um, some people spending over a hundred thousand a month. So, so when uh, when somebody wants to become a publisher, how much traffic do they need to have to even? think that, you know, well, this is something that I need to look into. Is, is there, I mean, I'm sure it's not a, an easy number to give, but what is like a, a, a kind of a bare minimum number they need to have to be even considered? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, um, again, it depends on the site, but um, I mean, we'll start, I guess, what I'd say, looking at sites to investigate further with, with more than 50,000 page views a month. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, the best sign to a publisher that they're ready to start selling advertising on their on their site is if advertisers are already starting to reach out to them directly. Um, because advertisers, you know, they do spend time trying to understand where their audience lives online. And these folks will reach out to you because they're, um, you know, they're always looking to find those uh, passionate bases of users. So your revenue model, it's a, it's a 25% commission, commission, is that correct? Yes, so we have products that range anywhere from 10% all the way up to uh, 25%, correct. So how do you set that commission, and do you get pressured to, to, to change that at all? We do. Um, so uh, over the years, um, our commission rate has, actually hasn't changed at all. It's always been 25%. Um, we have some new products where it's lower that I mentioned in the 10% range. Um, but the, the core, uh, part of our business, the marketplace has always been at 25%. And, um, I'd say we've gotten equal amount of pressure on either side of it being too low or too high, um, to know that it's actually just right. Okay. Um, as the CEO of uh, Buy Sell Ads, what do you do to have great customer service? Uh, you know, I, I think everybody says uh, that they have great customer service, but you know, I think it's very hard to do. So, w- what's important to you as as you as you grow Buy Sell Ads to to make sure that you have outstanding customer service? Sure, we um, we treat folks equally, um, and that means you know, if you're making a hundred dollars a month or ten thousand dollars a month, we're going to treat you the same way. Um, we, um, reply to people. I think our, our target time right now is, is hovering right around four hours. So that's like all support inquiries over the last month received a reply within the first four hours. Um, which in the ad space is actually pretty good because some things take us a while to, to look into. Um, you know, I think 
the the thing that's helped us the most is that a lot of the folks who work at Bicel Ads are actually are publishers themselves. So they deeply understand the, the the challenges and the problems that they're trying to solve on a day-to-day basis. And it allows us to really, you know, empathize with our customers and um, know what they're going through because we're literally in their shoes right alongside them. If, uh, if you could go back in time to 2008 and talk to yourself uh, about, about uh, your business, what would you tell yourself to do differently? Oh, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> no, really? You know, I, I think so, um, one thing that's really important about, um, you know, starting a business, it's okay to be naive. You know, like I think a lot of people think about like, well, you know, I don't really know about enough about this industry or I don't know enough about X, Y, or Z. That's great. Like the less you know, the better. Um, because um, I guarantee you sometimes you'll want to go back and wish that you, you never even even tried once you learn how, how hard some of the things can be. Um, but more seriously, um, what I would tell myself uh, would ultimately be to um, – stick to the mission. You know, I think anytime I feel like we veered off course or haven't made enough progress, it's been because we were attracted by some shiny new thing, some shiny new business model or um, something that a, a pseudo competitor was doing somewhat similar to us that we thought was a great idea just because they said it was a great idea. Um, so really that's, that's what I'd say. Uh, focus on the mission and um, really to stay focused on that. So with, with the experience that you have now, how do you know which shiny objects to ignore, or can you ever really learn that? Uh, you know, I think as um, as somebody who likes to tinker with new things, it's a really hard lesson to learn, and I learn it time and time again. Um, I mean, you know, truthfully, I have a, a little uh, uh, side project right now that I tinker with at night sometimes for like an hour before my eyes close. Um, but um, I think anything that really isn't ultimately centered around um, the core thing that you're trying to do with your business, the core problem you're trying to solve is, is a waste of time. Uh, my, my last question, how can, um, if, if someone comes to you, maybe a friend or a family member and they see your success um, as an entrepreneur and they say, you know, I, help me, teach me, what, what is the one thing that you would teach them to, to set them on, on the course to, to, to build a successful business? Um, you know, I think the, the hardest thing for a lot of people to get past is that initial hump of just saying and committing to, to doing it. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are, are scared to fail. They're scared, you know, we're scared to, um, of what people will think of us if it does seem like we fail. Um, so ultimately it's just, you know, you have to make that first step and, and, and give it a shot because you'll never know, um, if you don't try. Uh, there's a favorite quote that was always uh, hanging on my, my, the side of my uh, dad's bed growing up, and that was, he who is afraid of making mistakes is afraid to succeed. And, you know, in many ways, that's, that's very, very true. Um, if you're afraid of making mistakes, it's going to be really hard to succeed because you're going to make mistakes in order to become successful. It's just part of the, part of the path. Well, Todd, thank you very much for coming on Success Harbor to share the story of Buy, Sell, Ads. How can people connect with you or find out more about you? Sure. Um, so uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Toddo, T-O-D-D-O, or you can uh, send me an email, Todd at BuySellAds.com. Um, but I'll warn you, I'm kind of boring, but feel free to reach out. <laughs> 
Yeah, thank you very much, Todd. And everybody out there, check out buysellads.com or uh, Tato at uh, Twitter. Thank you very much for coming on and to, to share your entrepreneurial story. Really appreciate it. Thanks, George. Thank you, everybody at Success Harbor. Take care.